Come to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. Next time you have a chance to kill someone, don't hesitate. Thanks for the advice. Just a fly in the ointment, Hans. The monkey in the wrench. How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Supposed to stay in your seat until the plane reaches the terminal. No frequent flyer mileage for you. Damn. Weren't you listening? Yeah, I was just trying to hear what the fuck is wrong with you. Besides having a bad fucking hangover for one thing. Yeah, you had to dispatch all units for all the naked people walking around. You just killed the helicopter with a car. I was out of bullets. What? It's a What? Do you think I understand a word you're saying? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. And welcome back to the Film Reel cast. We are continuing our Die Hard retrospective with the final one, with the 2013 Die Hard, which is a good day to Die Hard. Of course, I've got my own very own John McClane here. It's Neil. How are you doing, buddy? I'm very well, mate. I'm actually looking a bit more John McClane, to be fair, because I've got rid of the Opie beard. Oh, no way. And I've shaved my head as well. So I am looking a bit more John McClane and I'm old. So yippee-ki-yay to that one. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So, So, I mean, this is the final one we've done, 2013. And it's it's been an up and down ride with the Die Hard films. And (laughs) even when this film came out, I was still excited about it because I kind of bought into the Die Hard franchise. He's one of my favourite, along with the Lethal Weapon, he's one of my favourite action heroes. And I, I didn't expect a lot, but I wanted a good ride, you know what I mean, throughout this, because it's been great. And this was going to be his last one because he's ageing, he's losing his status as like an A-lister. And... I was really let down by this film massively. <laughs> and I don't, um, yeah, yeah it, it's just fucking terrible. It's really sad. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be, normally we would do it at the end of how we yeah, feel, but it's just, it's going to be no secret of going through this. It's going to contain spoilers. It will ultimately contain a foul language as well, out of pure frustration. But yeah, it's just, it's sad, isn't it, really? It is you sad. end it like this. It is sad. And this is another one of those things of taking it too far, isn't it? In the sense yeah. of a series, you know, four was good, but it had declined massively from the first two. And obviously we have different opinions about the third one. And you sort of think, you know what? You're, you're pretty much done now. You don't need to do any more of these. And then they shoehorned another one in and... It, like you say, it's just really sad that they've had to end a really good franchise on something like this. Yeah, definitely. And it's just tarnished it now, I think. That's the problem. Yeah, and I kind of felt... I mean, see, the cast in this one, it's just, you've got Willis McLean and you've got Jai Courtney go back to our Terminator uh, yes. retrospective reviews. He's there as well. He plays Jack McLean. They shoehorned Mary Elizabeth Winstead in as Lucy just for a very tiny cameo. Um, 
And then you get Komarov, who's um, going to be a, a baddie in this as well. You've got Alec, who's a henchman. You've got Arena, who plays uh, Komarov's um, daughter. And then you've got the other baddie as well. Um, it's Yuri Komarov. And then you've got the Russian official, who's Victor, um, what is it? Chagrina, something like that, or Chagrin. Mm. And they're the kind of the main characters in this. And I kind of felt when I was watching this, this wasn't, a, apart from possibly 20-minute scenes, this wasn't a diehard film. This didn't have the ingredients you get when you get a diehard film. I don't know how you thought. Well, yes, I can't really disagree with you. Do you know what I found this film to be? It was a family forgiveness film. Yes. Yeah. It was one of those stories about daddy and and little boy and their it was more about their relationship than anything else to be honest yeah. the whole nuclear potential war that was going to come from the end of this film if it went the right way was a second story compared to jack and john and you know it was called jack and john because all they did was call each other jack and john about 15 times in every fucking scene yeah which really pissed me off <laughs> i have to say it's just like we know he's called john and we know who's called Jack. You don't have to say their name every two yeah. bloody seconds. That's it. You had the, the, the trope of, I mean, it's kind of abandonment. We learned that, I mean, Holly Gennaro, Holly McLean, isn't in this again. She's been shoehorned out of it. Nice. And through all of this, really, the kind of Bruce Willis, John McLean, has been a shit husband. He's been a shit dad. Mm. And that's the ultimate fact. And he's let people down constantly. And in this, then that's why they ram home the fact that Jack, rather than calls him dad, and you know you're going to get that tropey moment at some point where throughout, even though it's all of this happens kind of, or it happens overnight, but they shoehorn a relationship into this and it's forced down your throat. And even the sentimental moments you get in this feel there's no feeling in there from Bruce Willis. It's, I mean, none at all. From everything he did previously, like Die Hard 2 where that was kind of supposedly a weaker film, there was still feeling in there that he enjoyed being John McClane. But in this one, I don't know whether it's... It feels like it's another film. They wrote the script out and someone got hold of it and thought, you know what? We could make a like a diehard film out of this. Whether John Moore, who was a director, I mean, he's directed nothing. Max Payne, Omen, like, not great films. Behind Enemy Lines, which is probably one of his better ones. Um they kind of thought let's try and add John McClane into this and let's make it a diehard film because the rest mm. of it doesn't feel like a diehard film and it suffers massively yeah definitely and I do you know what I have to say because I was going to say about um Bruce Willis's performance in this film you, you could have replaced him with a plank of wood in those yeah. films he would have given the same emo- amount of emotion in relation to a lot of a lot of it I I, I don't think he wanted to do this apart from potentially for the, the money at the end of it. Mm. But there was just, he was, it was not believable. Was it his performance? No. no. And that's what I, that's what I really do enjoy. And I said last time when we do these franchises, I really, really enjoy going through all of them and just to see, especially when they're kind of smacking the ass out of it and trying to get these films, another sequel, another sequel. Mm. And you, you can see like the interest kind of just, 
going down and down and down. The storyline's getting weaker. Yeah. And it's a real shame. I mean, it's amazing. It's grossed 304 million worldwide and the budget was 92 million. It's nuts, isn't it? It is just insane. And I mean, they were at the time of this looking at interviews and not kind of cancelling the idea out of doing another diehard film and oh, taking it in another direction. But it's it's a real shame because the ingredients you get are just so, they seem so simple. And they're so magical at the same time. And you go on a real big ride with John McClane and all of the over the top plots. And you can forgive him because McClane's there giving it everything. Yeah. And in this, he's not enough on the screen. And when he is on the screen, he's just doesn't give a shit. I'm so glad you noticed that as well, that it does stand out. Oh, Mass, it, it does. It really does. Those touching moments you'd say with air quotation marks between him and Jack and they're trying to sit in, there's just you look at his face and there's no emotion in it whatsoever and the lines are delivered you know like he's literally just reading it off a script yeah and I don't know I just at no point in this film did you believe that at any point they were or could have been father and son because there was no. just no chemistry between them whatsoever no, I think not. it was Bruce Willis trying to be John McClane, still be the badass, but he'd obviously given up by this point. He just he, he sort of like, I can't be bothered with this shit anymore. And then you've got Jai Courtney that obviously wants to be the lead of the film. But there was it, it felt like it was more of a battle between them as actors rather than actually trying to give us a, a winning performance. Yeah, definitely. And as usual, the storyline is just so convoluted and you kind of miss elements as to why they're doing certain things, <laughs> which which is really annoying because you kind of, for anyone who hasn't watched this, I mean, as I said before, this is going to contain spoilers. It shows that um, Victor, uh, Victor Chagarin, who's like in a high standing Russian official and he used to be in business um with Yuri Komarov. They're both together and Komarov's in prison. He's deflected, he's gonna give um go over to America. And that Chagarin believes that he knows where these files are. And it's he so he goes to he's in prison, he's gonna be on trial. And the convoluted way that Jack McLean works with the CIA assassinates some no one. You don't even learn about why he assassinated this person in a nightclub. <laughs> So he can be tried and then says that he'll testify against um, Komarov. And then it gets blown out of prison and he escapes. And yeah. you learn that uh, end of the day that he is kind of working with Jagarin and um, that the files that he's got against Jagarin are in uh, Chernobyl. But it turns out it's all fake and that they've got um, grade A nuclear weapons there that you don't know who he's going to sell it to you don't know what the plan is he's just got it there and he's double crossed everyone yes and that is basically the plot <laughs> and, and it's and it just happens in the middle of that bruce willis is there because he finds his son's in trouble and he goes to help him and i mean we'll go into massive detail about a lot of the plot holes but it's just that isn't a diehard story if, for me you know, there's no odds. There's no Bruce Willis has got to do something. He's not put in this situation. 
and he's kind of he's like a, a tourist in this he's along oh. for the ride I'm not being funny. The amount of times in this film he turns around and says, I'm on vacation. Oh. McLean, shut up. Take it easy, eye job. I'm on vacation. Check off! All right, let's move, John! On fucking vacation! Come on, son. Got them margins. They think you're so smart. I'm not that smart. I'm just on vacation. Take it easy, eye job. I'm on vacation. Do you know what? It's like, oh, <laughs> mate. Yeah, say it once, maybe twice at a push because it's, you know, a comedy. He must have said it six, seven times in this film yeah. after being shot at. I'm on vacation. It's like, shut up. Yeah. You know, you know it, yeah, but anyway. So, yeah, he travels, doesn't he? he? He's He finds out from his mate that his son's in trouble. So he decides he's going to go to Moscow. And then you get um, his daughter, Lucy, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, in one of her two appearances in this film, dropping him off at the airport. And she's all, I love you, Dad, and all this. And then you don't see her again until the end. No, and you know what? I got really really excited. I got quite excited (laughs) when they were at the gun range and when um, the other police officer, Murphy, um, Maury, what is it? Nola Costco, he's a Mexican, he was in Prison Break, and he's a really cool guy. Mm. And he's been in a lot of good things. And when he was there, and he gave McLean the file and said, Look, your son's in trouble. Because I hadn't seen this for such a long time, and I managed to block it out of my mind. <laughs> that I, for some reason, thought he's going to go over to Russia with him. These two together can properly kick ass, and they'll bounce off each other. It'll be like the lethal weapon partnership. But that was it. He wasn't in it anymore. No, that's it. <laughs> He was done. He was gone. That was your bit, mate. See you later. <laughs> I thought, right, you're leaving someone good behind. But yeah. It's just really sad. And yeah, and as you say, the you see kind of a back and forth um between Komarov and the uh the other guy, the uh Chagarin. And you learned that they were once allies and now they're enemies and that uh, Jagarin's got the power and it's all very kind of tropey and been done numerous times before and then it just it's a shame because it then just flicks to the, the nightclub of Jack just assassinating someone and <laughs> you kind of you don't know why you never find out why and it's just all because he's going to testify surely the CIA can just put him in prison just plant him somewhere in Russia but that he doesn't need to assassinate this unknown person to get there. It, it's so convoluted and doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, because when I first watched it, I was like, why is he doing that and just allowing himself to get captured? You know, it was mm. just so blatant. But yeah, I suppose you're right. I guess it was to put him in there without any <clears throat> sort of CIA back CIA backlash, if you like, or, you know, background. Yeah. So they couldn't put the two and two together because apparently you know according to them the russians aren't very intelligent and they wouldn't have figured out who the fuck he was anyway but there you go <laughs> no, exactly <laughs> suddenly he's gonna t- he's been arrested unconnected at the moment to, um, to yuri komarov but then he's going to testify against him so yeah they put him in court in two separate cases next to him protected in these um, plastic bulletproof cases just in case a bomb goes off but just in case and I honestly thought, because 
a lot of the time they go down and they kind of the same ingredients uh, from different films. And when Willis went over to Russia and he's in that taxi cab, just talking oh. as Willis does. And this is when he did seem pretty relaxed. Yes. And I honestly thought this taxi driver is going to either end up at the end of the film and turn up and he'll go, don't worry, he's with me. And they do full circle or he'd bail him out at some point, you know, or like, you know, when we did the rush hour and you had that taxi driver in Paris who was driving yeah. around. I yeah. thought it was going to kind of be like that. But again, between this kind of relationship, there isn't any payoff again. No. Sadly not. It was just a weird comedic, if you want to say that, element to the film. But yeah, I was waiting for that as well. I completely agree with that. I was like, oh, I wonder when he's going to turn up. Is he going to be the one that drives them to Chernobyl or something like that? You know, just yeah. really funny. Like, oh, I'll take you there. I don't care about the danger because you let me sing John McClane, I love you and all this sort of bullshit. Yeah. Nothing came of it, which was quite... And sad. that's the ingredients of Die Hard and that's what is missing these kind of i know they're tropey but mm. it, you know they're going to happen and they do happen and they're good fun and it's just very easy going in the middle of this mayhem that's happening and for the fact that it's almost as if john moore hasn't seen any other diehard films didn't know the ingredients <laughs> of what makes a diehard film and it or he just refused to put it in or it's a case of this wasn't initially a diehard film and someone shoehorned it in and just said, sorry, let's make this a diehard film. Let's put someone in there and make this a diehard film because it starts off okay. I don't mind it. It's very, very convoluted. When they blow the walls off the court, just so, and it looks like, um, so uh, Komarov, and obviously it happens that uh, McLean can escape as well, Jack McLean. Um yeah. And you you see that it's Jagarin's henchman and it's Alec who's his, uh, the main henchman. Uh, help them escape. That it does lead and it's really good action and it's a great explosion and I do like this part. Um, he goes outside and you've got McLean there and, McLe and it's McLean who ruins everything because Jack escapes with um, Komarov like yeah. he should do to help him deflect to America. And because his dad stands in front of him and slows the van down, he misses his pickup point and it leads to all of this mayhem. So it's not only has he abandoned his son, abandoned his wife, fucks up his daughter's relationship and he's only mending it now. He ruins his son's mission. He is, but Jack's a fucking idiot, isn't he, in this? I'm not being funny. Yes, he's just driven into his dad, which, funnily enough, you know, so tropey isn't it that he manages to be in that particular road at that particular time and everything else but you know he can't get in the van and he's just sat there going why what through the glass what are you doing here yeah, so yeah. matey boy runs away doesn't he he could have just yeah. driven off you know he's all about the mission all he talks about in this film is my mission my, oh my god you know and all this but he could have just driven off yeah he doesn't have any connection with his dad. He doesn't even like his dad at this point in the film, you know. No. But he decides to get out and then, oh, it's just... It's yeah, he's got no interest. He's got the CIA, as it's going on, is monitoring him to yeah. get to a rendezvous point. I do like the action. Uh, and you've got yes. the chase through... And this was... I think this was filmed in, like, like Budapest or Prague or something like that. Moscow, obviously, Russia was, like, massive. No, no, no to filming anything anti-russian in this yeah. but 
it's really, really good when you've got Jack and you've got Komarov in the van together being chased by um, Alec and all the other henchmen. And it's just smashing the hell out of everything. And you've got the drone flying above. And this is Die Hard to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. It does go back to Die Hard, doesn't it? Definitely. The, the, the car chase, ridiculous amount of damage stuff comes back and you are like, oh, this is more Die Hard-ish or esque. Yeah, 100%. And it's practical effects. You've got mm. massive traffic buildup. And then, I mean, it's comical that his dad, naturally his dad's going to get involved. I mean, he's John McClane. He's not frightened of anything. But thankfully, he's in quite a big Mercedes kind of lorry that he can destroy anything. And he does destroy stuff. And I love the fact that when he's driving over these other vehicles in like the vehicle transporter and he's causing absolute mayhem. And it's just like the McLeans have invaded Russia and they're destroying it and i really do love that about this part of this film only when i say only it's it's interesting isn't it as this chase goes on it does get more and more ridiculous doesn't it but yeah when he's in the big sort of armored truck isn't he it's quite fun how he just decides to just basically plow through everything but it's again you just why would you get in that and chase down your son that's clearly just broken out of prison and stuff i know it's because it's die hard but it just doesn't make sense does it it just no and they don't know who john mcclain is when he's he's chasing the lorry he was chasing his son and you get mcclain kind of giving that commentary and again as you said mate goes oh i'm on vacation and he's moaning about that and he's ramming the the vehicle chasing his son and it's just it doesn't I don't know, the payoff isn't really there because he's not kind of personally involved, John McClane. I like it when he's being like an irritant. Like there's a tourist at Nakatomi. He's pissing them off and he's winding them up and they know he's there and it's cat and mouse. And that's when I think he's at his best, which works really well in Die Hard 3. And to yeah. a certain extent, well, with General Stewart or Major um, Stewart and General Grant, it does work well. But it, it, this chase is frantic as they come practical effects rather than special effects which is working but there's no personal investment for me for john mcclain to be involved in this no not not at all and i completely agree i think the first four films he plays the character well where he's obviously he has a some sort of relationship with the bad guys in the sense of his annoyance and the fact that he's going out of his way to ruin their day is fun isn't it it's what john mcclain does he's like well i'm in this now so i'm just gonna piss you off and cause as much carnage as possible yeah man he does he does though doesn't he that is who he is Mm. but you know in this one it's just like you say there's no payoff he's in a foreign country involved in something that he does has no idea about it's not affecting him personally apart from the fact that his son's driven away from him after being broken you know blown out of prison yeah but there's still not enough there but you know because he crashes his big truck doesn't he and then the yes. scene when he gets he gets run over by another big mercedes doesn't he four yeah. by four which would have fucking probably knocked him out <laughs> at the very least and then he just yeah. slaps that guy saying you know i'm on vacation again yeah. and then it gets even more ridiculous doesn't it 
Yeah, it's it, it, it just it is so over the top. It's like fucking monster truck rally. Yes. When he's driving over everything, and to, I mean, I'm it is over the top, but I got to admit, I'm having fun because this is what I want from mm. a diehard film. I'm I love this action, and I want more of it. I want it to be just the the kind of the pre-boiling point to something even bigger that's going to happen. And I think if I'm getting this within the first say 25 minutes of the film fuck what am i going to get for the massive great crescendo at the end of it and i can't disagree with you Stu, completely with everything you said there but do you know what took me out of it when What's he that? answers the phone to lucy uh, when he's driving yeah and he's that's... driving going all over these things chase it and he's like oh hi hi honey oh you know you know is, she, is jack there is oh yeah no he's just not right now and all this and it's, oh don't hang up it's oh fuck off you know it's yeah. not it's not funny i know it's supposed to be funny but it just wasn't no you yeah i, I completely agree because that's bordering on like slapstick humor that you don't get in these kind of diehard films and you just concentrate on the action throw mclean out of his depth into a situation where he's got no control and he manages it just by pure mayhem and he doesn't do that whilst talking on the phone and yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. I, I thought that was a step too far when it comes to like the comedy side of things. And again, it's the, the action does keep going, and I'm still invested in this at this point. When they go to the safe house um, and they meet the CIA contact, and it was inevitable. But at that point, when they get to the safe house, that that wasn't going to be the safe house. And when kind of the henchmen do turn up take out um jack's contact and then they yeah. keep going oh god this scene is un- yeah. oh my god honestly it, it was it was fairly predictable wasn't it let's be fair but it was a good the way they portrayed it in certain elements was really quite fun and i like the fact that the dickhead cia agent got shot in the head because he was a knob yeah but when he when john mcclain picks up that massive machine gun and they all just keep flying even though the first guy's got shot out of the agents that are flooding in. It's like lemmings. Yes. Isn't it? They just, one after the other, they just keep coming through the it door. It was. It was a computer game. It's as if, <laughs> like the AI, where the, someone yeah. spawns in a computer game and you sit there <laughs> and you can just take them out. That is exactly what I thought. They all run through the door yeah. at the same point and get killed one after the other. It's it was like, so strange. It was ridiculous. I'm sat there going, you would stop running. It's you. It's what? Yeah, maybe one, two, three people, but then like I said, four, five, six, seven, and he's just shooting. It's like, mate, you fucking stop it! I'm not going in there. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, but, yeah. You would do if you were going to walk through a door where someone's firing a machine gun, and the other side of that door is a pile of bodies, which are your colleagues. You think, well, well I'm going to slow down, and yeah, <laughs> yeah but they kept running because that's their job. <laughs> yeah, it was just ridiculous. It was, yeah, that oh. ends, honestly. But and whilst we're at the safe house, that's the moment when you get Yuri Komarov. He calls his daughter because his daughter oh, yes. is part of the deal um, that that he wants to kind of bring with him. His daughter's um, arena, and uh, I, I do like the twists in this. To be honest, and I think the twists do work really well because at the moment you're on the side of the fact that Komarov and his daughter are victims of the political situation yeah. and that 
Jack. Jack's over the top nice and caring uh, to Komarov. Like, are you okay? I'll make sure nothing happens to you. I've got your back. And he's really, really nice to him, which is the payoff of when he turns at the end that I cared about you and I trusted you, bollocks, that that you know you're going to get at some point, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, did, oh, come on, did you see the fact that she double-crossed him, potentially? Because that was where the twist was at the end, I guess, wasn't it? But at this point, did you see the daughter double-crossing the dad? Um, what, as in, what, would you put a gun to his head? Yeah. Well, uh, I was surprised. I kind of was a bit confused as to what direction they were going in because I always, when I first watched this, I always thought he was in on it and I'm waiting for him to be in on it and do something. And when his daughter did, yeah, I kind of thought, well, I'm pretty sure that he's in on it as well. So who's he going to end up double crossing? <laughs> and it, it kind of, because it always works out with the diehard films. There is a twist ultimately, isn't there? Yeah. And I kind of thought his daughter is a bit disposable, but because of the the care that Jack has thrown towards um, Komarov, that ultimately he's got to be betrayed and let down. But I couldn't see how that would happen. But yeah, it's fair play. It was a, a good twist, you know. Yeah. I, I I did quite enjoy the fact that they did that. But what I didn't like, and it didn't work at all, and you were saying earlier, mate, about the the shoving stuff down your throat. It's like eating a fucking Brussels sprout, which is disgusting. But <laughs> when they're trying to get to this hotel where this alleged file is meant to be kept. Oh, yeah. Um, that Yuri uh, put their fucking donkeys years ago. That's obviously still going to be there. That you get that sentimental moment of when McLean oh. is talking to Yuri. John McLean, that is about just how hard it is bringing up kids. It doesn't work at all. There's, they don't know each other. They've got nothing in common. They wouldn't have that conversation. It's purely for the audience. And it doesn't pay off, mate, I don't think, honestly. Oh. No, it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. And the, the fact that um, uh, Jack is just around the corner, isn't he, listening to their conversation as well, like, you know, and the, the old heartstrings of, oh, he does care about me. That was it wasn't needed, was it? That tropey moment, as you said, when he hid around the corner and you exactly as you think, Oh, you can hear it. This isn't a diehard film. You don't get this. You don't <laughs> want it in a diehard film. <laughs> you don't. You don't. And that that's the whole thing, isn't it? Let's be fair, number four, there was elements of this as well, wasn't it? It's just basically number four story in a sense of Lucy and uh, John McClane, but now it's Jack and obviously Jack is more of a badass and he's for the CIA, not just yes. not just, but, you know, a normal person, if you like. But the whole payoff of that at the end was that he saved her life and she realised that he does love her and all this sort of stuff. This is just back and forth bollocks all film between these yeah. two. And I completely agree. It wasn't necessary, but that's the whole thing. And it's sort of rammed down your throat continuously through this film. And yeah, exactly. I, I, I think you're right, mate. I, do you know what? The more I watched it, the more you said it. This feels like this film was written as something completely different. And the studios have basically turned around and said, we're not making that. Unless yeah. unless you do something really cool with it, like make it a diehard film. 
So they've then yeah. had to go and rewrite it and sort of put Bruce Willis in it and do it that way. Because otherwise... And you can have this film with Jai Courtney doing exactly the same thing on his own. Yeah, of course you could. And it wouldn't be a diehard film. It's only no. diehard because Willis is helping him. And again, I couldn't understand the facts. And I kind of I forgot to mention it earlier. Was when Willis found out that his son works with the CIA... Which you'd be so proud. I mean, my son's got an apprenticeship as an electrician. I'm over the moon proud mm. for him. He's found out his son is working for the CIA. And all he does is beast him about it. He's put yeah. him down about it. Take this. Oh, my Jesus. Are you okay? What? Do you have the file? Once again. This is what you've been doing, Jack? Spy shit? This is it. You're a spy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 007 of Plainfield, New Jersey. Very nice. McLean, shut up. And you, why would you do that? You'd be so proud of your son, but the shit that he says to him is really, really bad. Well, that's the thing. It's almost like he's jealous of the fact that, obviously, you know, he's done some amazing things, but he's always just been a cop if you see what I mean, compared to a CIA agent. It just seems maybe it was a bit of jealousy or he's too proud to turn around and say that he's proud of him. But again, it's again, it just makes him look like a complete dick. Yeah. So there was no there was no payoff for that either, was there? Really? No, not at all. It would have worked better if he would have turned around to him because you you kind of in like that. I don't know, you know, in this country, but in America, I know it's tropian films, but you get the we've got generations of cops in our family and stuff like that and it would have been nice that i know it's been done in films but just in this that for mclean to say do you know what i'm really proud of you that's just i think it's great what you're doing yeah. and take take the piss out of him a bit light-heartedly but it, it came across that he really resented it and yeah no, put his son down it was just it was it was unnecessary wasn't it and it oh, didn't really bring nonsense. anything at all, other than the fact that he's a he's turned into a really old prick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as they'd say in uh, Goodfellas, hey fucko. <laughs> yeah, basically. But that's it, isn't it. He's just like, oh, fuck off, then, Dad. See you later, mate. Yeah. John, okay. as he calls him throughout the John. whole film. Exactly. What's with this you know... John stuff? Like, oh. <laughs> when they're in the ballroom, when you learn that. Uh, Arena is in on it and she puts the gun to her dad's uh, throat and that's when uh, Alec comes in and who's like working on behalf of um, Jigari the, the guy Alec was eating a, a carrot and I got flashbacks to shoot him up because he's standing there and I thought oh my god Neil's gonna have PTSD <laughs> thankfully he doesn't try and kill anyone with a carrot See, little does he know that he's holding a deadly weapon, he a is, carrot. He, is, he could put that through someone's skull. If he was... <laughs> it's oh, so gosh. good. And yeah. Again, it gets tropey here because uh, Komarov is led away um, by uh, the rest of the henchmen and also Irina as well. So you think he's a prisoner and he's had it, but we'll find out later on. So he's left. And you do get a nice kind of a payoff from watching the previous Die Hard films of when Jack and John are both on the floor, tied to the back, 
and you get that moment just like um, in the first one when Alan Rickman's there, he's going to shoot him and he starts laughing. And that's when he sees Jack with the knife. And it was a real, it was a flashback to the first one, but it was a demonstration of how it was done right. First one. How <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> after five films they can magically do it so wrong. Oh, oh it's, dear, it's, it's terrible. terrible. It's terrible. It is yeah. awful. The trope has gone of if you've got a baddie there, a Russian mobster who's probably killed women, trafficked women, killed children, done all sorts of things. Yeah, you've know. got an American who, let's be honest, a lot of the people around the world, the gangsters, would shoot an American in the head straight away for one to be laughing at his face. And then his son starts laughing. You'd put a bullet in one of their heads straight away to show his boss, wouldn't you? Of course you would. But it's this, yeah, it is. But it's that same old thing with every film, isn't it? And I, I suppose we've got to come to expect that this is how it's going to happen. But you know, you, you're every time the henchman or the bad guy gets the good guy, they have a 15 minute conversation with them, don't they? And slap yeah. them about a bit. When ultimately they're just going to shoot them anyway. Just fucking shoot them. <laughs> you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. When they get shot and they're dead, they're not going to remember any of the slapping about and all that sort of stuff. They'll be dead. So just fucking do it in the first place. You know. <laughs> I know. It's a real fucking, uh, what is it, the man with the golden gun when he's, when you've got Sean Connery on that table and he tells yeah. him the whole plot. <laughs> then I'm yeah. going to leave you now on your own to die. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to kill you with this gas when you're tied to this thing. Rather than just shooting in the fucking head, I'm going to do this really convoluted. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's the trope, isn't it, of all films though. You very rarely get it where they just turn around and say, "Oh, I've got you, bang, you're dead." Yeah. But uh, you know, but I could. <laughs> but it, it, you're true. It's like, yeah, it was a massive callback to the first film and how it was done properly, and then there was this one and. <laughs> it just it didn't work at all. But there again, there's not many elements of this film that do work, sadly. No, but I do like the part. When the baddies escape, they take Komarov, um and they've got Arena, and they go to a helicopter, and they've escaped. And that's when Jack's like, fuck it, I'll just fuck the mission up. They've gone, I've lost my target, oh, and yeah. that is it. And you've got this massive helicopter. I can't remember what it is. It's, it's a helicopter. I mean, this is where we it's need huge. Paul. Yes, yes. Exactly. And... I like the part, and obviously it's special effects, but and it come, it's a real Matrix callback from this, of when the helicopter turns around, and I like the fact that Willis is looking at it as it's circling, and then it faces them, and it's got those massive fucking guns and rockets and everything. <laughs> I know. And it starts shooting this room up, how they don't die. But I, I, I think you know, it, the special effects are really good. I love the shells falling down on the floor. And I really yeah. like this. When they're getting shot, I like the shooting scene. When they decide to escape by jumping out of a window and going down those barrels that they throw like bricks down into skips, oh, that yeah. is where it's like dog shit. This is no way. I It doesn't work. It's rubbish. Well, it, I'm not being funny. They're running away. They're running away, aren't they, from this helicopter and they decide to jump out of a top floor window without any realization that there's going to be any scaffolding or anything there to fall on. Yeah. You know, and then like you say, they're going to go down this chute. That must be how many meters high. I yeah. don't care what's at the bottom of that. You're dead. 
But that shoots, it's not a slide, it's a vertical drop. Exactly. It's ju- You're literally falling, but just being smashed about in a fucking tube. Yeah. You know, it's... I know that they're supposed to have these elements of, oh, you know, my God, it's it's more than what a normal person can take. But, you know, there are actual physics in the world. And, you know, there's certain elements in this film, isn't it, with car crashes and stuff like that. And, you know, where he drives over the bridge and, you know, that whole massive lorry gets flipped and stuff. I'm not being funny. They all walk out with hardly, you know, a couple of cuts. And it's exactly the same with this, isn't it? They just walk across like, oh, you've got a bit of a bruise on your head. Yeah, yeah, slapped it a bit. Yeah, it's... for me, it's because they're lacking payoff. When you think in Die Hard 3 with a vengeance, that it's a really enjoyable ride. And it's mm. even though it's frantic, that you've got the chemistry, which works so well between Samuel Jackson and Bruce yes. Willis. Yes. And you can even forgive the fact that they just jump off a bridge and they will die and they smash into the iron floor of this boat. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're having a good time, you're enjoying the ride, and you can forgive things like that. But it, I think it just highlights that what you can get away with if you've got a good film and if you invest the audience as to when you don't do that to when it really punishes you and it really fucks up. But it, it, the difference is amazing. And I think it mm. makes me realise just how much I enjoyed, even on several viewings, Die Hard 3 and what you're willing to forgive to, to kind of to what you're not when you're thinking I'm invested in this it's fucking hard work and I'm not being rewarded well that's the thing and we you know Paul said it we all I think a few of us said it on the last one the fact is you're invested in John McClane aren't you you're invested mm, in this huge. character hugely and that's why you're watching this film to begin with but the problem is his character in this is so shit in the sense of he's a dick to his son even though He's turned up, ruined everything. He's been a dick. He's all he's doing is moaning about the fact he's on vacation. And you, you're not enamoured with his character anymore. I certainly wasn't. I couldn't give a fuck about him now. Yeah. Because I, I don't care anymore. But like you say, with the first few, especially the third one, in the sense of the relationship with um, Samuel Jackson, you're completely right. You can forgive the ridiculously over top bits in a sense even in the fourth one because with the relationship with farrell and him was fun and yeah. they had a chemistry and you was like, oh fucking hell that's never going to happen but you just go along with the ride but this has fallen off a cliff yeah and you just you're not really invested in it and i think you're only really watching oh i was only really watching this because we were reviewing it but it's oh. very much like the fourth one Unless it was Bruce Willis, you probably wouldn't watch it, would you? No. Oh, God, no. Definitely. Definitely. And it would have been interesting to see if Willis was taken out of this and it was called something different, like The Russia Files or something like that, that mm. whether you would have watched it and thought, yeah, it's not a bad action film. It's pretty good. But as we I said last time, on, it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't have earned 300 odd million. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely not. And But we're kind of comparing everything in in the equivalent of diehards like MCU and uh, which well, yeah. is tough for the films. But I, I kind of brought back a little bit when you get that moment when Jack is a bit obviously crushed because of what's happened. And Willis is, is thankfully is not giving him that pep talk and like a father and son, but he's mm. trying to give his son a kick up the ass as in 
But she, when he says, like, I don't know what to do, he goes, well, you don't know. Well, why don't you know? You should know. Uh, this is what we do. And I, I quite like that side of things because it wasn't too soppy. And I think if they would have tried to get a soppy male bonding moment after being together for, what, a couple of hours, mm. it would have ruined it. And it gave us to the audience another little backstory as well when he talks about both the fact that uh, Jagarin and uh, Komarov work together and that they siphoned um, weapons-grade uranium. and, that, and it, But it goes on the ridiculous that they were responsible for the Chernobyl disaster. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. and I hate wow. it when they talk about real events, real tragic events, mm. and they use a dog shit film that to link them to those real events. I mean, it, it, I kind of find it insulting to the families who are, who lost loved ones. Definitely. And, and you think, why are you doing this? It, it's nothing to do with that. There are really good reasons. Everyone knows about Chernobyl. There's some great you know, Chernobyl itself, the program. Amazing. Don't link it to a real event. Keep it away. Well, um, the thing you could have you could have made anything up, couldn't you? At the end of the day, it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy world. It's a film. You don't ha- doesn't have to be real, real, does it? At the end of the day, you could have said any sort of disaster. Yeah. That you know wasn't avidly on the news or whatever. You know these things happen and we don't hear about it all the time. So, but yeah, completely agree. Why it had to be linked to something we know about is insulting. Yeah. It is insulting. It's crap. So. Yeah. The f- now they've got to go to Chernobyl to get the, the um, uranium. Is it uranium? Is it uranium? Is uh, it yeah, it's weapons-grade uranium, isn't it? Yeah, weapons-grade uranium. And oh, I, I don't understand, because you see them go there, and that's when like, kind of all of the henchmen go there, first of all. And why McLean? I mean, they haven't got a guy counter. That, he's wearing protection, as in a leather jacket and <laughs> a tack vest. <laughs> and there's no mention of the fact of is it safe there we parked our bmw up in somewhere in chernobyl and we're walking around and they're not worried about it there's no mention i don't think is there of of getting kind of a, a any nuclear fallout kind of sickness or radiation poisoning well it's just interesting that first of all before we get there the fact that they managed to steal a car that's got a ridiculous amount of guns in the boot is just <laughs> fuck my life you know and he's like how did you know they were in there oh well they're not allowed their guns in the club yeah because they just put all their fucking massive assault rifles and everything in a boot don't they of the car and leave it outside it's yeah. absolute nonsense <laughs> that's comical isn't it oh. they, they know for a fact when they go to kind of like these chechnyan warlords whoever they are when they go to a nightclub for a drink because they're not allowed weapons inside each car's got like a fucking armory of machine yeah. guns and bazookas. Because <laughs> they wouldn't, considering how high powered these people are, they're not going to leave one of their little minion henchmen near the fucking car to make yeah. sure no one steals their, their guns. It's, it, oh, it's it's not contrived at all, at, is Not it? at all, no. It's, I bet that happens every day. It's, oh, I've had my fucking Bentley stolen again with all my guns in it. Fuck's sake, I really should learn. Oh, oh. So good. And <laughs> Thankfully, the the bad is that thankfully uh, Alec and Arena and Komarov they were wearing their hazmat suits, and I they found are. it really annoying because I thought I don't know who's who, but <laughs> conveniently they work out that the uh, the amount of radiation there isn't a problem. 
Apparently and that's not. where the the massive plot thickens because uh, Alex saying to Komarov, "Get the files. The deal was get the files. Otherwise, that's it. You're dead." And then dun dun dun, Komarov then puts a gun to Alex's head and he kills him. And then you realise that Irina and Komarov are in it together and they are they the are. main baddies. And then they he are. rings up, which I did quite like, and it was really convenient mm. that when he rings up. Um, Chagarin and he tells him that I'm in control now he's getting a massage and the baddie who's going to break his neck just happens to be in the room at the oh, same yeah. time definitely I mean that's timing oh that timing. is timing impeccable isn't it it is it's unreal he obviously knew how long it was going to be to drill into that <laughs> how long it was definitely going to be when he's going to be alone so he could shoot he could shoot oh you know it's just it that would have been bad. so good if he would have, that if Komarov would have been on the phone to him, giving it all of these lines that he's practiced about, yeah, now this will lead to your doom. And you've got Chigarid on the other end going, and what? Yeah. Now this will lead to your doom now. <laughs> nope, I'm still here. Yeah, is he there, there? No. <laughs> He's who? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sat in my toilet, mate. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's no one here with me. massage in the end. I stayed at home <laughs> to watch TV. <laughs> Oh, yeah. right. This is awkward. <laughs> oh, well. Um, could you go to the massage part? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm waiting to kill you there. Yeah. This is oh. really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I'll so contrived. This <laughs> <laughs> convenience is bollocks. But So they're going to get all these nuclear weapons out. And again, you've got this helicopter. You've got the henchmen. And they've set up a really nice little scene. And all the way through this, You've got uh, going unannounced. You've got Jack and John, Jack and Jill going through the the set of Chernobyl, which I quite like. It reminds me of like, uh, like a Call of Duty kind of level. Yes. And it looks quite good. It looks quite eerie. I'd like to have seen a bit more of it. But you ultimately are waiting for um, Jack to come face to face with Komarov. For him to then discover that he's a baddie. And the acting, when he comes, because everyone oh. leaves. And when you've got Connor off there on his own, I'm just going to do a <laughs> final check before we leave. And he stumbles, thankfully, upon Jack. Oh, and when he yeah. turns around and acts all weak and faint, it's like, oh, my God, this acting is fucking terrible. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you but don't have to work too hard at acting badly. Seriously, you're doing a good no. job. You're doing great, yeah. Oh, honestly, yeah, it's it's awful, isn't it? But let's be fair. If you was anybody else, you would have turned around and gone, "All right, mate, uh, just you can stop now." You know, <laughs> just, yeah, the just stop up. there. It's just yeah, <laughs> we know you're the bad guy. Clearly, you're fine. Yeah, uh, it's oh, weak. But whilst he's looking around, even Willis, um, Willis Senior, is starting to clock that something's wrong, and then the penny drops. Um, and then Jack realises that something's wrong and that he knows he's been double-crossed. And really, this leads to, uh, well, you've only got, what, you've got 10 minutes left of this film. And they really do manage to shoehorn quite a lot of action in this. You've, you've got Willis, who decides to go up in a helicopter and drives a fucking Jeep out the back of it. Um, which saves his son who's being killed by Arena, who's flying a helicopter. And then you've got Jack who ends up fighting Komarov. And I love these films when every person has got someone to fight. 
it's really convenient, even in all the films when there's been massive battles, that everyone's got a partner to fight who's equal. And yes. it was, I mean, we spoke last week that the film suffered because it was uh, like a, a PG-13, that this one, they kind of they ramped it up and there was a lot of hope because it's going to be an R. And you get the payoff for this when you've got Irina looking for her dad, hoping that he's okay. And then she witnesses Jack virtually pick her dad up, throw him through the rotor blades of the helicopter, <laughs> which is so unnecessary, oh, and just get cut to bits. <laughs> it was, but, it, you know. Yeah. Do you know what, though? It's, this is a die-hard film now, though, isn't it? Because the last two, they have basically crammed as much action as they can do in the last ten minutes. Yeah. Which is exactly the same as the third and the fourth one wasn't it where you're yeah. like my god you're you know you've got quite a lot you could do with this but you've decided to ram it all into the last 10 minutes and make it really frustrating to watch yeah in a sense and it's, it's weird because even though there's real kinetic and frantic action going on and as i say willis is in the helicopter that's causing mayhem it still doesn't feel like a diehard film to me no. Because I love it when they know who Bruce Willis is, when they know that Nakatomi Plaza, when they put him down and ridicule him, and he comes back with his wisecracks. And, and I think it works well in America. And I don't think it works well in Russia when people don't know who he is and he's oh, just an irritant clue. to them. Yeah. And it, it's a shame because I do like this action. I love the fact that the daughter sees her dad thrown through the rotor blades of a helicopter. And then Willis is flying this helicopter or hanging this jeep out the back of this helicopter which causes it and she gets so angry that she drives and commits suicide drives his flies his helicopter into this building and they jump into this swimming pool with like all radiated water in it no doubt apparently it's rain water is because he gets out and he goes oh i'm going to grow a third arm and he goes no that's rain water how he knows that's rain (laughs) (laughs) maybe in the cia they take water Waterology or something yes. like that. Yeah, I don't know. Because I can tell that's not irradiated. <laughs> Three day old rainwater. So I've used my penis to test that. <laughs> so it works out that she kills herself and that's it. And they get their sentimental moment. I mean, all the baddies are dead. And I, I love the action. It doesn't feel like that. Don't get me wrong, but. I do like the action in this and I don't like the sentimental moment straight after it when they're both sitting by that pool and you get that bonding between them. It just feels uncomfortable. It's not nice watching, you know? Yeah, because well, yeah, they're both in the water. Well, first of all, I'm sorry, I just have to go back. When Bruce Willis is thrown from the helicopter through that window and he's absolutely <laughs> fine. You know, he's been thrown about 100 feet through, you know, all sorts of stuff. And he's absolutely fine. He's like, oh, shit, I'll just get up because she's now flying that helicopter at me. (laughs) (coughs) It's utter bollocks, isn't it? Yeah. And it's weird because, again, it's like you look at these things and you raise an eyebrow because I think I've invested. Like, what is this film? Even though it's an hour and 38 minutes long, you think, fucking, I'm just not getting the payoff that I want. (laughs) It's not diehard to me. This is just another film. And and I don't like the fact that 
the CIA fly them back home. And you and again, when they land at the airport, you've got bloody poor old Mary Elizabeth Winstead there. Again, she gets another little minor part of hugging her brother who, what, has she, has she seen her brother in the last 10 years? I don't know. Just like, <laughs> I'd love it if she ran up to him and it was, it was like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. All right, Dad, who's this guy? That's your brother. Yeah. Is it? Oh. Yeah, you take oh, your tongue out his throat, please. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, I, I have to say, Stu, just quickly going back to your point, yeah. that, that bit in the water um, when they got out and he starts going, Dad. Oh, he's like, I'm here. God. Did you call me Dad? No, no, you must have swimmer's ear. And it's oh. Yeah. They're God. sentimental and there's <clears throat> scenes that bring bile up in your throat. And yeah. That is. That's one of them. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. That is <laughs> truly one of them because it's, it's acted terribly. It's unbelievable and it yeah. just wouldn't happen. And they shoehorn this in. And at the end of it, when they all land at the airport and they're one happy family again, no doubt within the next half an hour, McLean will do something wrong and alienate both of his children yet again. And oh, it's yeah. just wrong. Just I wrong. I was expecting Holly to run down the um, down the runway, going, "Oh my God, I forgive you, John." You know, and all this. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's what I thought was going to happen because it's so fucking horrendous. That thinking, would have been geez. so fucking funny, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been funny. But, oh dear. I would have fucking pissed my pants if that had happened. <laughs> it's like those films where the trains go in, and you see them running next to the train blowing kisses yeah. that you would have seen Holly McLean or Holly Gennaro there. It would have been, I would have loved it. But sadly, that's, yeah, that's it. That's the yeah. diehard franchise done. And I've, I've got a feeling I might know. I'm going to write down the order. I think you're going to say from good to bad. Oh, really? And I think it might be the same as mine. That Ooh, I don't get... think it oh, really? Okay, I'm going to say that you're going to say the same as me. And my order of films mm-hmm. is one, three, two, four, five. Yeah, see, I'm different. I'm one, two, four, three, five. Really? One, yeah. two, four, three, five. Wow. So I'm really surprised. So Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's your fourth least or fourth least favourite. Yeah, uh, all because of the end. And I said it before. I just I think the film itself was really clever. Yeah. But the final third was just rubbish. And I just it really it really annoyed me. So yeah, I love I love all the running around and all that sort of stuff, but then the end of it just annoyed me and I just didn't like it. Yeah. And I preferred the fourth one to it because I just I could connect with it a bit more in the sense of the technology. And I just found, I found it more entertaining. Yeah. This one. Sure. I've probably got a rough idea, but interesting to get your score of this and your overall thoughts, mate. Uh, Well, would I recommend this film? No, I would not recommend this film. It's not a diehard film. It's not worth watching at all, unless you want to sit for an hour and a half of, over-the-top nonsense with no real payoff or storyline that means anything to anybody um so i'll be generous and i won't 
it's better than um, Shoot 'Em Up because it's got John McClane in it. But that's the only reason it's any better than that film. So I will give it a one out of five. Um, wow. There's not many good bits in it. I suppose the act, some action scenes are quite good. The first car chase is quite good and enjoyable until the point where he starts driving over everything in that Jeep and he starts talking to his daughter on the phone, trying to pretend everything's normal, which wasn't funny. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just really tropey and pretty pants. So there's no real good bits or it was all bad, really, apart from that chase. Yeah, I've got to admit, I can't really argue with, with what you're saying, <laughs> I have to say. It's a, it really didn't feel like a diehard film, which was really disappointing. And even though it's an hour and 38 minutes, I watched this, I think, in about three parts. Yes. Because um, yes. I, I just couldn't get into it. That enjoyment just wasn't there. And I, I like to watch a film and be rewarded. But when I'm watching an action film, especially if I'm watching like a whole trilogy or a whole universe of films that yeah. I like that little payoff you get and the payoffs you get here aren't good. Uh, and it, it's just a real, real shame that it finished on such a sour note. I, I like the action, the car chasing this, I thought was really good. The shoehorn relationship in this wasn't good. I, I wouldn't recommend this film and Willis, it felt like he was in it just for the payoff and it's a shame because he's been so good and he's one of my action heroes and I really, really like him, but it's a shame. And I'd probably give this um, about, I'd probably give it a one and a half, to be honest. That's about it, which is, I never thought I'd do that for a diehard film, but it's a real, real shame, but never it's, mind. I mean, it's not a diehard film though, is it? You know, it, it, it isn't. It's, it's a film that they've made at the end of a franchise that, didn't need to be made unfortunately it just no it didn't need to happen and i looked at the screenwriting i I did try and see about what stages this went through to see if um it wasn't a diehard film initially but i couldn't find anything i just struggled to believe that someone would put their kind of nuts in a vice and chance it that i'm going to make this film and call it a diehard film because it's not but yeah never mind that's that's what you get sometimes, isn't it? Unfortunately. Exactly, exactly. So we're going to keep on the comparisons going. And next week, we're going to take a few weeks, maybe a month, six weeks. We're going to look at sci-fi. We haven't done a lot of sci-fi. You can go through. Um, we've got about 160, maybe 170 podcasts. And we've not done that much sci-fi. But we're going to look at Total Recall. We're going to start with the uh, 1990 Total Recall. And then we're going to change and we're going to review the 2012 um, Total Recall. Yes. So uh, we'll be maybe um, referencing, because it's the um, Paul Verhoeven who did the... Verhoeven? Is, is, it, is, it, is it Verhoeven his name? Didn't he do Robocop as well? Uh, I think he did a few things, didn't he? Uh, yeah. So we're on good ground uh, uh, with regards to that, because... How yes, positive. he did do Robocop, didn't he? Yes, because he, yeah. he made it ultra-violent and stuff. Exactly. And they were really worried about his direction because he went way over budget, didn't he? I yeah. remember watching the documentary on um, that very good documentary series on Netflix. Yeah. I have to say. 
Yeah. So we've he's really really got good ground and uh, kind of rooted for for sci-fi. And you've got mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you've got Sharon Stone, and many others, Michael Ironside as well, if I remember rightly. Legends, yes. And then we're going to go skip way ahead where possibly it wasn't needed to the following week to 2012 uh, with Len Wiseman um, and Colin Farrell, Kate Beckinsale, and Bill Nye. Was this film needed? It's strange before we spoke about this on the pod. What film should we do? What would be kind of really interesting for people to listen to? And you come up with the idea of Total Recall. And when we spoke about the second one, I love the fact that we both watched. We didn't know. We've not spoken about this, but we both watched about 40 minutes and thought, fuck this. This is fucking (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I shot myself in the foot with this, haven't I? This idea of having a look at both of them. But, oh, well. Well, uh, maybe it'll be better now we're looking at it with uh, a an eye of reviewing it rather than trying to enjoy it. I don't know. We'll see. It's an excuse to watch Kate Beckinsale, who's absolutely perfect. So yeah, be. that will be interesting. But you've got Total Recall, the old one, which is on Amazon Prime, and Total Recall, the new one, is on Netflix. That's right. Or is it the other that's way around? Right. That's, that, that's the right way around, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. watch that. And then we're going to do the old one first, watch that, and then listen to the podcast um, to see if you agree um, with which film is best. If you don't, please contact us at thefilmreelcast at gmail.com as to why we're on Twitter, the Film Realcast, as to why you think the 2012 film is better. I'd love to find out, but yeah. who knows? It'd be interesting because we've said it many times before, and I've just looked, but obviously the original Total Recall, very much an R-rated film, the newer Total Recall, a 12A. So oh, I think we're you... going to see some comparisons in relation to that. So Warning signs are there already. Any oh, film, no. we've, we, most podcasts we've done, when they've done this, they've mm-hmm. not worked out. I can't think of one film that has really, really worked out that when they nope. fucked up the, the, the rating of the film nope. for audience Absolutely. purposes. And then we've spoken about doing, even though we've reviewed it and it is on our podcast feed already, um, Carl Irvine's uh, uh, Judge Dredd you're a massive fan of that and that's a film that we're going to go back and we're going to look at again and review again yes. so that is another film to look out for and uh, we're going to come up with each week we'll be updating you with regards to the catalogue of what films we're going to do in the future as I said if you're a sci-fi fan we're going to do plenty of different sci-fi films and just have a chat about them hopefully the other guys will be on the podcast as well for their points of view um, but that's it. Have you got anything you want to add before we go, mate? No, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. It's, I'm, I'm pleased that we've finished the Die Hard series off now. I'm a bit Die Harded out. Exactly. But, um, it's been exactly. a pleasure, and I hope you've all enjoyed our rants. Or definitely. Time. No, definitely. It's been really good fun. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back with Total Recall next week. You take care, guys, and see you soon. Bye-bye. They